So again, I say good morning to you. I really don't see any visitors. I, apparently, I know everybody here. They know me, so that's, that's wonderful. I'm Pastor Dan, for those that don't know. And this morning, I have a word of encouragement. My title this morning is, No Matter What. My text is the book of Romans, chapter 8, verses 28 and 29. You know, I have a sermon outline that you're going to find in the bulletin that has the text, the title, and the sermon outline for your easy reference. Now I want you to turn in your hearts and minds this morning with me as I seek his anointing of my words, and you seek his anointing on your thoughts and on your meditations. So dear Lord, this morning let the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. You know, this past week, we remembered that fateful day, September the 11th, 2001. Just imagine if the government had known about the coming attack, but not where, and therefore it had intervened beforehand with all of its power. Can you imagine how enraged passengers and airlines would have been at the increased security and the airport delays? Racial profiling of Middle Eastern men would have caused such unprecedented outrage against the Bush administration. The resulting heightened security would have been perceived as fanaticism and overreaction, and the backlash of criticism would have been unbelievably enormous. Yet after 9-11, with 2020 hindsight, every American would gladly have embraced these actions to prevent these atrocities as were perpetuated on 9-11. In just that way, we will never know the tragedies, the troubles, and the tribulations that God has prevented by implementing drastic measures in our life. That at the time angered us, frustrated us and confused us, but really was all for our good. All of this raises questions. Have you ever been bitter toward God because of something you think he caused or allowed to happen? Have you ever been disappointed with God that he did not give you something that you asked for and you thought you should have it? Have you ever been angry with God because he allowed something to happen to you or a loved one that you knew he could have prevented? Have you ever resented something about your physical appearance, the physical features you were born with that God gave you? Have you ever been upset with God because the situation did not turn out the way you wanted it to? If any of these questions are true, and for most of us, at least some of them are, there is a truth that you need to treasure, a fact that you need to frame, a principle you need to ponder, and it is this. No matter what happens, God will always act in your best interest. But that raises another question. What is in your best interest? Answer, Anything that makes you become more like Jesus. Every day and in every way, that is what the Lord is wanting, willing, and working to do, no matter what 
according to Romans 8, 28. So first, considering your outline, I can rely on God's control over my life. Our text, Romans 8, 28, states, And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to His purpose. There is not a greater promise in the Bible than this one. But you need to notice who it's directed to. The we. In the first part of the verse refers to those who love God and those who are called. You see, there's only two types of people in this world. Those who love God and those who don't. Incidentally, not everyone who says he loves God truly loves God. Jesus said in John 14, 21, He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. This verse, Romans 8, 28, is only for those who truly love God. But it is also for the ones who are called. In other words, those who loved God are the ones whom God has called to be a part of his family And they responded. They responded to that call by surrendering to Jesus Christ and becoming a child of God. Never forget that God's promises are strictly for God's children. Notice also the word no. If you love God, you ought to know that everything is working out together for good. Now, there are a lot of things about God that we don't know. There are a lot of things about life that we don't know. We don't even know if we're going to be alive in the next five minutes. It is dishonest to claim you don't know what you do know. It is foolish to claim that you know what you don't know. You should never hesitate to claim to know what you do know and can know, and this is one thing you can know, that all things work together for your good if You love God. Now tell me, or I'll tell you what that means. You may not always like what God is doing in your life. You may not always understand what God is doing in your life, but you can know that God is involved in your life 24-7, making sure that all things work together for your good. That leads to another word in this verse that is a great word, all You know, if the Apostle Paul had used the word few, or the word some, or even the word most, we would not have batted an eye. But he wrote, all things work together for good. In other words, God does not work all things out for our good most of the time, nor does God work most things for our good all of the time. God works all things together for good All of the time. And then verse 28 begins, And we know, understand, it does not say, and we see, that is, that we see that all things work together for good. There are some things we know that we have never seen. I know Jesus is real, but I have never seen him. I know heaven is real, but I have never been there. Even though you may not always see the things that work out for your good, remember this. Just because you cannot see it 
does not mean God cannot see it. Never doubt in the dark what God has told you in the light. Listen, this book is God's word. Then it cannot contain lies if it is that. Because God cannot lie. And if God cannot lie, then this verse must be true. If this verse is true, that means I can rely on God's control over my life. I can know that when the day is done, the sun has set, and I come to the end of my life on the other side of eternity, I will see then what I know now, that everything was working out together for my good. Secondly, consider that I can rest in God's commitment to my life. Behind every promise of God is the providence of God. Therefore, behind this verse lies the providence of God. Do you know what the word providence means? It comes from two words, the word pro meaning before and the word video meaning to see. Providence simply means to see beforehand. In fact, if you will pay attention, you can hear and see the word provide in the word providence. The providence of God simply means that God sees every event before it occurs and provides for that event to fit into his plan for your life. Now let me tell you what that means. That means that there are no accidents in the life of a child of God, just appointments. So often disappointments are really his appointments. So many times what we think is a rock of disappointment turns out to be a boulder of blessing. I read about an old man who lived in a village. And he had a reputation of being the wisest man in the entire area. The villagers trusted this man to give them answers to their questions and concerns. One day a farmer from the village went to see this wise man and said, Wise man, help me. A horrible thing has happened. My ox has died and I have no animals to help me plow my field. Isn't this the worst thing that could have happened? The wise old man said, Maybe so. Maybe not. The man hurried back to the village to report to his neighbors that the wise man had lost his mind. Surely, this was the worst thing that could have happened. The very next day, a strong young horse was seen near the man's farm. Because the man had no ox to rely on, he had the idea to catch the horse to replace the ox, and he did. He was so happy plowing the field had never been easier. He went back to the wise old man to apologize. He said, you were right. Losing my ox wasn't the worst thing that could have happened. It was a blessing in disguise. I never would have captured my new horse if this hadn't happened. The wise man replied, maybe so, maybe not. The farmer thought, I can't believe this wise man. He is really not that wise. Well, the farmer didn't know what was going to happen. And a few days later, the farmer's son was riding the horse and was thrown off. He broke his leg and would not be able to help with the crops. The man thought, here we go again. Now we will starve to death. 
Once again, the farmer went to the wise man. This time he said, how did you know that capturing my horse was not a good thing? You were right. My son is injured and won't be able to help me with the crop. This time, I am sure this is the worst thing that could possibly have happened. You must agree this time. But the wise man calmly and compassionately said, maybe so, maybe not. Enraged, the farmer thought, how could he be so ignorant? The farmer stormed back to the village. The next day, troops arrived to carry off every able-bodied man to the war that had just broken off. The farmer's son was the only young man in the village that didn't have to go. And as it turns out, while all the others would die in the war, he was left to live. I think this is a great story with a great lesson. We don't always know what is going to happen and things that may seem to be the worst that could have happened turn out to be, in the end, one of the best things that could have happened. And that is why we keep in mind that things work together. And the Greek word used here gives us the English word synergy. Synergy is what happens when the individual parts of something come together producing a greater and better effect than each individual part would have created on its own. You see, every moment of every day is one individual piece of the puzzle of God's plan for your life. God can reach into a bag of circumstances on any given day and with his eyes shut, pull out any piece and he's going to make it fit perfectly in the puzzle of his plan for you. Now that doesn't mean that everything that happens to you is good. We all know better than that. Individual ingredients you put into a cake by themselves are not good. Who wants to eat just flour? Who wants to eat just baking powder? Who wants to eat just raw eggs? And some of those things eaten alone would be harmful and very dangerous. But when you mix them together and put them in the oven, you can bake the greatest cake in the world. You see... Ultimately, it's not what goes into the bowl that matters. It's what comes out of the oven that counts. You're not always going to enjoy the ingredients that God puts into the recipe of your life. But when he's finished baking it, you will have Romans 8, 28 cake, and the taste will be unbelievable. Never forget the story of Joseph. Joseph was left in the pit by his brothers to die. He was rescued from the pit to be sold into slavery. As a slave, he was falsely accused by the wife of his master, thrown into prison, was there for over 10 years for something he didn't do. Well, God took everything that happened to Joseph and used it eventually to make him the prime minister of Egypt, which is why Joseph said many years later to his brothers in Genesis 50, verse 20, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. What was true for Joseph is true for us if we love God. Thirdly, consider that I can relate to God's calling on my life. We read here about the ones who have been called according to his purpose. As a Christian, God has a calling on your life. And God has a purpose for your life. Listen, 
God's calling is for you on earth. God's purpose is for you in eternity. What is good for you is not what you think is good. It is what God knows is good. And the key to all of it is God's purpose. God's purpose for you is not necessarily to be healthy, wealthy, happy, rich, or famous. God's purpose for you that we find in verse 29 is to be conformed to the image of his Son. God's primary purpose on this earth is for you to become like Jesus. And let me say it as strongly as I can. The best thing that could ever happen to you in this life is not to make millions of dollars, not to become famous, not to live in a mansion, nor to drive a Mercedes. The best thing that can ever happen to you in this life is to become just like Jesus. That is what God has called you for. That is what God has created you for. I want you to remember that God uses life on earth to prepare you for life in eternity. And God is not interested in primarily changing your circumstances, but changing your character. I can tell you many stories to illustrate what it is that I'm trying to get you to understand today but never a greater or more incredible one than the one I am going to share with you this morning, which is absolutely true. Ravis Zacharias is a world-renowned Christian author, commentator, lecturer, and expository preacher of the Word of God. He tells a story of how in 1971 he was ministering in Vietnam, And his interpreter was a young man named Hain Pham, who was a devoted young Christian who was a translator for the American military. Zacharias left Vietnam. And within four years, Vietnam fell and Zacharias lost track of Hain Pham. Seventeen years later, in 1988, Pham called Ravi Zacharias to tell him he was in the United States and he wanted him to hear the story of how he arrived here. Pham states that shortly after Vietnam fell to the communists, he was arrested for aiding the American cause. He was in and out of prison for several years. During one long jail term, the sole purpose of his imprisonment was to turn him against the Christian faith. He was cut off from reading anything in English and was restricted to reading communist propaganda every day. And he began to buckle under the incessant pressure. He began to doubt the existence of God and the truth of Christianity. And he finally got to the point where he made up his mind he would never pray again to any God or even think of the Christian faith. Well, the next morning, he was assigned to clean the prison latrines. It was the most dreaded shore anybody could be given. And with bitterness and anger, he began to clean those toilets. Well, he cleaned out a tin can filled to overflowing with toilet paper. His eye caught what appeared to be English printed on one piece of paper. He hurriedly washed it off and slipped it into his hip pocket. That night, under his mosquito net, when no one was looking, 
He pulled out a small flashlight and shining it on this damp piece of paper. He read at the top corner, Romans chapter 8. Trembling with shock and amazement, he read these words. We know that all things work together for good to those who love him, to those who are called according to his purpose. And Pham began to weep. He knew. Of all of the verses in the Bible, there was not a greater verse of encouragement or strength he needed at that time than that particular verse. He knew that it was God speaking to him, and he cried out to God asking him for forgiveness and promised that he would never turn his back on his Christian faith. The next day, he asked if he could clean the latrines again. They thought that was an unusual request, but they allowed him to do it. Every day he would clean those latrines. And the reason he did it was because he discovered that some official in the camp was using the Bible as toilet paper. Every day, Pham would pick up a portion of scripture, clean it off, and read it that night for his devotion. Well, the day came when, through a set of unbelievable circumstances, Haim Pham was released. He promptly began to make plans to escape from the country. And after several unsuccessful attempts, he began to build a boat in secret. About 53 other people were planning to escape with him. Everything was going well until just before they were to depart, four Viet Cong knocked on his door. When he opened it, they said they had heard he was trying to escape. They asked him if that was true. Well, he and Pham immediately denied it and made up a story about what it is that he was doing. Apparently convinced, they turned and left. While he and Pham was very disappointed, he thought, here I go again, Lord, trying to manipulate my own destiny rather than relying on you to work all things together for my own good. He made a promise to God that if the Viet Cong were to come back, He would tell them the truth. Hours before they were ready to leave, there was another knock on the door, and to his fear and consternation, they were the the same four Viet Cong. They said, we have our sources, and we know you are trying to escape. Is it true? He took a deep breath and said, yes. I am with 53 others. There was a pause and he said, are you going to imprison me again? They leaned forward and whispered, no, we want to escape with you. In an utterly incredible escape plan, all 58 of them suddenly found themselves on the high seas escaping Vietnam. They weren't out in the water very long when they were engulfed by a violent storm. He on Pham's face fell before the Lord crying out and asking God, did you bring us out here just to die? And then he said to Ravi Zacharias, you will not believe this. But at that point, those four Viet Cong looked at me and said, did you not know that we were sailors? He said, Brother Raviv, it had not been for the sailing ability of those four Viet Cong, we would have never made it and we would have died. True story. 
I don't know what tomorrow holds, but I do know who holds tomorrow. I know one thing that is true for every one of us who love God and for every one of us who is called according to his purpose. No matter what happens, I, you, all of us together as a church can trust God to use everything for our good and for his glory. Amen? And as you leave here today, go with the assurance and the excitement of living out your circumstances with a new heart, a new vision, a new hope in God's plan for you. He is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the one true God. Listen. The king of the universe loves you dearly. Thank you. Amen. Greet each other as you leave. I'll see some of you Thursday night for the Bible study. If not, we'll catch you next Sunday.